Folks, look, I've made some questionable choices in my day. Going to a very expensive private college out of state for a year that's sucked me into thousands of dollars in debt. Publishing a book that's been out for almost two years and hasn't gotten me a penny in royalties. Letting a certain former co-host of this show be part of it in the first place. Picking the Garbage Pale Kids movie to summarize this month. You know, there's just certain things you should never do. Like make a Bubsy remake, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sorry, I just... They're remaking Bubsy. They're making another Bubsy. Breaking news, guys. I'd ask why, but I there's no good answer. Video game industry is always about coulda, not shoulda. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I had the choice of summarizing this or the movie we're covering next time. <laughs> oh, yeah, and... I forgot. And we'd never seen The Garbage Pail Kids or next month's movie before, so it was basically a coin flip anyway, and I still have no clue why I chose this. Temporary Insanity is the only thing I could think of. Uh, I've watched this twice now. I still have no clue who this was made for. I don't know who was clamoring for it in the first place. I, is there some deep, complex narrative with a lore Bible behind the trading cards that we weren't privy to? I I have no idea. I, I, like, I miss that generation, so. Amazingly, the main actor of this thing, the, the kid who played Dodger, has actually gone on to have a very successful acting career. And nobody else except Jim Cummings, who was one of the voice actors in this thing, has had any career after this movie. The director never directed anything else for the rest of his life. I don't know if any of the other actors have done anything. It's just, this has destroyed so many people's careers that either were already going or before they could even start. I believe he was the, uh, the Dodger kid is actually has another tirades verse connection. If I can find the actor's name, Mackenzie Aston. Uh, isn't he the brother of Sean Aston? Uh, he might be actually. I know he's in the magician. Uh, he's in the magicians, and uh, he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Like very prevalent character actor. Did you mean Mackenzie Aston? Yes, I did. God damn it! I don't think he has his own. Either that or can't spell his name. I don't think he has his own uh, Wikipedia. So we'll go to IMDb, the now formless IMDb. And nobody wept a tear for that one. No, not at all. 
he, is he not, okay, I was about to say, I was like, is he not, like, top billing here? Okay, here we go. Either him or the dude who played Manzini, I guess, I don't know. He is in a thing. Madman Castle, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So he's got quite a bit, bit of here, Bones. Criminal Minds, Screaming Anatomy, these are a lot of the same show. Yeah, like I said, he's he's had a very successful character acting career. He was on Lost uh, as a character I don't remember. He was on The Outer Limits. Uh, God, there's something earlier in here that... I guess not. Okay, Garfield Kids, he was on The Facts of Life. I could have sworn there was some other thing he did. Like, we'd seen him in something else in, like, adult form, but... Apparently not. He was on Singled Out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not... Okay, not the MTV show. Apparently it was a TV movie. Oh. I, was about, I was about to be very excited. Because I need, I need to see young Mackenzie Aston hitting on Jenny McCarthy. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, anything to say about this before we jump into it? Uh, Literally into a garbage pile. Like like you said, I don't know why you picked this one. <laughs> I I underhanded this one to you. And you were like, I'm going to run at it. It's like Head first. Yeah, I was, I was like, no, you could, you could swing a bat and just you know, back away. Why you try to catch it with your head? Yeah, instead you decided to give it give it a, a, head, a running headbutt. Uh... I, I am going to be interested when we when we actually name. I mean, at the end of this, this episode, we're going to name the next movie we're going to do anyway. So I'm just going to name it now. <laughs> it was either the Garbage Pail Kids or Mac and Me. <laughs> and I was and I was like, because because our schedule's fucked up for this year anyway. Uh, I was like, whatever one you don't want, I will do. I gave you a sword to stab me with, <laughs> and instead you deep throated the thing. <laughs> So, like, there's no way Mac and Me is going to be worse than this. I'm, no, I'm saying this on record. Is, there is no way. <laughs> Mac and Me is going to be a, a fun romp. So, I mean, you did this to yourself. <laughs> Freely admit it. Yeah. But, uh, also, you got notes out of this thing. I have no idea how. Again, I'm just telling what's going on. It's just, it's like Samurai Cop 2. I'm just telling what I'm seeing on the screen. Once upon a time, or was it more recently, there was a young boy named Dodger. He was the sort of child who was always left out of things. Each day after school, Dodger works in a junk shop owned by the mysterious Captain Manzini. Which is broth and vampire's brew. Make these clothes as good as new. Dodger has never had a family or a friend he could call his own. Until now. What's that? 
garbage pail kid. Starring Nat Nerd, Windy Winston, Messy Tessie. Give him a chance, Tangerine. You'll like it. Ali Gator, Valerie Bobbin, Lisa Gray. I'm gonna get fired for this. Foul food. Nice and a The Garbage Pail Kids movie. They may not be pretty, but boy, they make great friends. Starring Anthony Newley and Mackenzie Aston. The Garbage Pail Kids movie. The Garbage Pail Kids movie, a Topps Chewing Gum production. So, already we know this is going to be a winner. Uh, also, When, on when the you have a, a, a sponsor for your film, like I would have a sponsor for one of my wrestling pay-per-views that I do on my YouTube channel, <laughs> you know it's a winner. The poster for this steaming pile says, Out of the garbage pail and into your heart. Uh, so that's supposed to imply some sort of uplifting and family-friendly affair, right? I mean, that that's what I'm supposed to garner from that? Uh, right? Uh, it, <laughs> this was PG, wasn't it? Yeah, but again, it was the 80s, so PG really oh, didn't yeah, okay. anything, so... so. It was uh, then it has a second tagline for some reason. A live-action heap of fun. There is literally zero fun to be had in this movie. It, it, genres. Okay, let's just go through these, okay? Mm-hmm. Adventure? No. Okay. Comedy? It's not funny. Family? They might have been trying to go for that, but no, not based on the content of this thing. Okay. Fantasy. That is literally the only thing you can classify this as. All right, all right. And then musical. Partially. We'll get to that in a little while. I don't. Look, there's, there's no quarter star moment in this movie. There's not even one line that I can remember that made me chuckle a little bit. Even some of the shittiest movies we've covered have had maybe one line. I was like, hey, that was, yeah, that was kind of funny. I, I, but no, nothing. There is nothing to remember about this fucking movie. So after the cast of horrors are shown on screen, which is literally just a garbage can hovering through space with pictures of the garbage pail kit trading cards. We open inside an antique store. And it's, and, and it's not like they're like flying in like a CG like thing. It's, I think, literally a person like holding them <laughs> with string. Or with like a black glove on so they can't yeah. see the arm. Yeah. yeah. So we open inside an antique store where the garbage can from outer space starts oozing green slime out of it. And we see a picture with moving eyes looking at it. How this space garbage can made its way into the antique shop in New San Troy Cogobergville is anyone's guess. And it's never explained throughout the movie. We get a couple minutes of some tiny creatures whom we don't fully see yet running around and playing with all the antiques as another picture with moving eyes looks at them. Again, I don't know why the picture's eyes are moving. 
Again, never explained. Suddenly, the owner of the shop hears all of the ruckus and walks downstairs and says, and I quote, What's going on down there? If I catch anyone down there, I will be very surprised. Not upset. Not going to kick them out. Just very surprised. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> I, I got nothing. But as he says this, the creatures retreat back into the garbage can. He then repl- uh, like places some diving helmet on top of the can to keep it closed as the can just kind of pulsates from inside. Um, if he's so worried about the creatures inside this thing getting out, why does he not just duct tape it shut or something? Also, how, why, like, what is his knowledge base for these things? Or or the can itself? Because he's very just nonplussed about the whole thing. It's like, oh, yep, the magical space space can. All right, let me just uh, close this up. Doesn't go, what the fuck is this? Well, I mean, and he knows, he's known about this can for quite some time, as the events of this movie will show. But again, we're never, we're never given any backstory on these creatures. Yeah, he just, all. he just knows about them and then knows there's this magic involved to, to send them back and that's it. So I guess, th- like, this thing just beelined to them. Or to him. Because if they had just landed in the middle of, like, I don't know, the fucking Sahara. Well, I guess they're fucked. They're fucked. Okay. No, they just decide to land in bumfuck Pennsylvania somewhere. Fair enough. The next day, we see a 14-year-old being chased by two adults, one of whom is the guy you get when you can't get Shia LaBeouf, uh, just in broad daylight through a park where there are people everywhere. People notice this. Nobody does anything. <laughs> but he gets, this kid gets trapped when the leader of this banter outfit named Juice, <clears throat> who, if it weren't for Wankstain, would be the god of all guy banters. Unfortunately, he's not played by Juventud Guerrero. Quarter he is star. wearing, <laughs> would have been, yes. He is wearing a periwinkle tank top underneath a blazer and baggy dress pants while smoking a cigarette and wearing sunglasses. If you... Could you, like, seriously picture any more of guy banterism? It's up there. The The thing here that's notable is the... I'm not going to say actual difference in ages, because apparently, not very much, because fun fact I just learned, uh, (laughs) Dodger and Tangerine were actually dating during the filming of this movie. Yeah, they're only a year apart. Which, whatever, fine. Girls hit puberty first. Uh, but he looks 15, and the dude bullies look 20. At least. At least. Like, why are they hanging out at the middle school? Or just in a playground in a park. Yeah. Never explained. <sighs> the, the, the great IMDb of the uh, 
of, of juice, of course, uh, is the Garbage Pail Kids movie, the first film he was ever in. Uh, then did nothing for nine years. <laughs> returned in uh, the TV movie Back to Back as Officer Ross, who I'm assuming was the main character. And then one episode of Silk Stockings. <laughs> And I, and I like and I like who no, no matter who the person is on IMDb. Ron McLaughlin is an actor known for the garbage for the Farmers Pale Kids movie. No, no one knows him. Nope. To say he was in it. Uh, my my favorite is best known. And then, and then he returned as himself in 2016's 30 Years of Garbage: The Garbage Garbage Pale Kids Story, a documentary. I would so, almost be morbidly curious to know the story behind this movie. I'm, I, well, it, I, it's just about the Garbage Pail Kids in general, so I'm imagining, um, like, the, the movie was... This wasn't like a Troll 2 documentary. This would have been, like, for 30 seconds they interviewed the people involved in the movie and went, Yeah, that sucked. Anyway. <laughs> Garbage Pail Kids, huh? Swept the nation. They were like the pogs of their day. <laughs> was popular for 36 hours and nobody gave a shit about it for the rest of eternity. <laughs> Pretty much. So this juice guy demands the kid, whose name is Dodger, uh, demands his money. He says he has none. He repeatedly calls him creep. So they take him very violently over to a puddle where they hold him upside down by his legs and take whatever he had in his back pocket. There are people standing around who see this happen and do nothing. Then, these assholes drop him in the puddle, kick him, and leave. We then get the most forced and poorly acted <laughs> evil laughter in the history of cinema. As the gal banter, whose name is Blythe, which sounds like a Captain Planet villain, goes, <laughs> She is a... Uh whole lot of woman and Mark's in charge and she and she looks like like she, okay streets she, of rage villain I, I i didn't want to disperse streets of rage so i was gonna say she looked like she has she was auditioning for the double dragon movie <laughs> but showed up way too early like five years too early or whatever mm -hmm. and and ended up in this thing she would have been like the female of Bobo. <laughs> so we get more god-awful pseudo-laughter, and Dodger just stumbles away. That night, he happens across the antique shop, and some confusing acting happens here, which I know perish the thought, right? Dodger looks in the window very confusedly, and the owner, Captain Manzini, I don't know why he goes by Captain, but sure, just happens to walk up behind him and tell him he smells like a fire hydrant. He then tells Dodger to come inside. Now, you might think this is an instance of stranger danger, but no, apparently Dodger has worked for him for a couple months now. So... So it's child labor. <laughs> well, it was the 80s. Uh. Uh, but I'm wondering why he acted like he'd never seen this place before, if he'd been working there for months. He just kind of looks in the window like... Oh, huh? huh? I, I know on the list of problems with this movie, sure, it's like a .07 out of 10, but it was just still really awkward. 
So Manzini gives Dodger a dashiki to wear and says he got it in Africa from a tribal leader who gave it to him as thanks for making his mother-in-law disappear. Uh, so he murdered her? I mean, you can hide behind the, ha, 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 it's magic, it's funny all you want, but he literally said he made her disappear. He, he okay. The Hitman series has a long and... <laughs> he's like Agent 3. <laughs> he makes some things happen. He asks who did this to Dodger, but Dodger says the last guy who reported juice to the police got thrown onto the highway or something. Is he like a, a crime lord? <laughs> like, does he have lawyers that keep him out of prison? I, this universe, I don't know. I, it, yeah, anything's possible in this fucked up universe. So Manzini starts telling him about some of the stuff in the shop, but Dodger plays with a fencing sword and bumps into the garbage can. Manzini quickly grabs it to make sure it doesn't open, and he tells Dodger about Pandora's box and that this is essentially Pandora's pail. The next day, Tangerine and a couple of her bimbo friends walk by the shop and look in the window. She sees Dodger and rolls her eyes and starts walking away, but he then stops her and begs her to come look in the shop. Why? This is the fuck. to look in her shop. <laughs> You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. No, but this this is the fuck buddy of the guy who physically assaults this kid every day. <laughs> Why would you want to go anywhere near her? I'm not one to tell a guy, especially a youth, about judgments when it comes to females. So, this is the most realistic part of the movie, honestly. A 15-year-old kid relentlessly stalking a girl who has zero interest in him, but then realizes she can take advantage of him. That's like, okay, sure, yep. That checks out. But true. The Damien game. Yeah. So he shows her some buttons and medals, and he pricks his finger accidentally, to which she replies, that's great, kid. What are you going to do for an encore? Open a vein? Um, who, who Again, who the fuck was this movie made for? Was this a family movie? We we are confirming this was like this isn't like a Fantastic Four situation where they had to make this to maintain the rights or something. This was actually made to be like a profitable thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. They kneel on the floor to look at some other useless shit, and he actually sniffs her hair. Yeah, he lets her have some pin for free and. Then the terrible trio enters what, the store. What? No, no, we can't. We, what would her hair smell like? Uh, I mean, besides the obvious, just like aerosol. I was gonna say aerosol. I mean, <laughs> it's it smells like burning at a hair salon. I, I'd imagine. I'd imagine like no, she is this. This girl is such a sentient, like walking eighty stereotype. 
I, I'm trying to think of what what is like the scent of the eighties? Cocaine? Like what is it what is, cocaine? What is a distinctive like eighties like food or something? Big League Chew or is that two nineties? Mm, yeah. Uh Charleston Chew? Two it's <laughs> Okay, so we, we, we do, she smells like Mike and Ike's, or, or like something, something low on the candy tier list. Which is something I never thought I'd reference again. <laughs> One of these days I'm gonna make my tier list. You got, you got, you It'll got be during some movie that's so boring I can't help. Hey, we might it. have one next month. It's possible. So Juice says that Dodger needs to be taught a lesson, to which I wonder what the fuck this 14-year-old could have possibly done to instigate this kind of rage. Dodger, well, dodges them all over the store, runs into a side room to get something with which to defend himself, so naturally he grabs a basketball. You're in an antique store. There is probably umpteen million things you could use to defend yourself with, and you grab a basketball. I mean, maybe he doesn't want to break anything. I, it's it's more the fact that the guy is fucking mesmerized by his slick moves. <laughs> no, like he'd never seen a basketball before. What is this thing, and what does it do? Also, why is a basketball in an antique store? Uh, Kazam. Okay, sure. I guess maybe the lamp is in there somewhere mm-hmm. too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so. Oh, they... I get it. <laughs> Dennis Rodman is co-owner of the shop because he plays basketball. So they finally grab him, take him outside. Tangerine begs Juice not to hurt him, but he assaults her and points to the sewer. They then proceed to knock him unconscious, open a waste valve. And it pours all over him. Things look shitty for our hero when, oh, never fear, the weird creatures from the outer space trash can somehow lift him up and take him back to the shop where they nurse him back to health, I guess. Okay, no, he'd be dead. No, yeah. He has open wounds, which means sewage got into his bloodstream. He'd be dead. Okay. Relevant. I'm going to rush for the Friday 13th movie. will not be the last time I do that this episode. (laughs) Uh, Friday the 13th, the game I reviewed. It's uh, very interesting. Uh, later in the Friday the 13th films, series of films starring Jason from Friday the 13th, uh, they got to a point where it was a bit ridiculous trying to find ways to stop Jason. Because they were like, alright, he's been, you know, he's been Groundhog Dayed. <gasps> he just keeps coming back. Uh, and past Part six, he was zombie Jason, as many know him, and he was played uh, by Kane Hodder. Uh, and uh, it became even worse because they were like, "All right, now he's a zombie, so we definitely can't kill him." Um, so uh, one of the, one of, one of the movies, the solution was just we're going to just chain him to the bottom of a river because that's all he can do. Because he can never die. That's his, that's his whole thing. By the, by, the, by the time they got to part eight, Jason takes Manhattan, which, by the way, does not involve him in Manhattan for very long. <laughs> it's really Jason on a boat because they didn't have enough money to film in New York. At the end of that movie, you know how they kill Jason? Toxic waste. <laughs> Melts his mask off, just completely fucks him up. 
destroys his physical body. Which is why in the next one, Jason goes to hell. Uh, Jason is like a Proteus, like disease monster that just jumps from person to person. That, that one sucked. And then he went to space and it was awesome again. <laughs> so you could kill Jason Voorhees. But Dodger, just fine. All right. His kidneys would have shut down. Mm-hmm. His liver would have shut down. Mm-hmm. He'd have blood poisoning. His heart would shut down. Yeah. But no, let's just, just splash some iodine on it. He'll be fine. Yeah, the word toxic means something. <laughs> it's in the name. Toxic waste is like, or, or he would have turned into a fucking, you know, like a, a, to- a toxic, like a monster. <sighs> For, for some reason, well... He should have turned into a garbage pill kid. Yeah. <laughs> Toxic waste boy. That um, would have been a nice plot twist, actually. The towering Dodger, because he'd be twice as tall as them. Yeah. He won't wake up, though, so their solution is to have one of these creatures fart on him. He is covered in sewage. A fart would just smell like normal air to him at this point. So Dodger goes, what are you? Or the and methane would ignite something and just light him on fire, and then he'd be a charred mess. Yeah. But he says, what are you, in the same amount of emotion that Edward Furlong did when he got turned into the crow. The Garbage Pail Kids start ransacking the shop, just goofing around. Manzini arrives and gets them to stop and is not happy at this revelation, wants to put them back in, but they can't get any magic ingredients in this day and age. So he says, welcome to trouble. They all introduce themselves, and Manzini tells him he needs a bath. We then get this fucking scene. Dodger is taking a bath inside the shop. Oh, God. Yeah. While all of the Garbage Pail Kids stand around and watch. He then has to stand up to be wrapped in a towel, and one of the kids, Valerie Vomit, says he has cute legs. (laughs) He then gets dressed in his finest Madonna sleeveless denim. Manzini says they couldn't have come back at a worse time, what with people being so obsessed with looks nowadays. Dodger says he doesn't think they're ugly exactly. Valerie then asks him if he wants to suck face, and he says he already likes someone. Who who was this movie made for? Okay, okay, okay. So, we kind of breezed past it, but we did have the part where they, like, individually... Introduce themselves, which is always the most fun part of a movie. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming... The protagonist introduction? They're villains. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even call them protagonist question marks. They're just shitty. <sighs> yeah, they're, they're just a bunch of little assholes. Now, I'm not a Garbage Pail Kids expert. I don't know how you could be such a thing. Not... You'd have to be about ten years older than us, at least. Because, uh, like, as I was being conceived, the Garbage Pail Kids were a thing. I, I think I was either four or five when they came out, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can actually look here, let's see. Because uh, I'm on the Garbage Pail Kids wiki, because I am actually making a point here. Uh, 85 to 89. Oh, shit, that was two. Yeah. Two! Okay. Two! 
uh, you were the number of ketchup packets that <laughs> the Burger King <laughs> person thinks a lot is. Yeah, yeah. Now, how, how many how many garbage pill kids do we have total here? Like eight, seven, seven. seven? I think. Okay, okay. And they're all like super shitty and uninteresting. <laughs> Yep. So, like, I'm the fart one, I'm the sneeze one, I'm the crocodile one. I'm the piss-my-pants one. All right. Now, the one thing I do know about the Garfield kids is a lot of them are super dark, <laughs> which which was kind of the weird, like, contrast with the Garfield kids because they were collected by children, and it was an age where, at, like, they were seen as, like, super naughty. I'm just going to click on, I'm just going to look at the Garbage Pill Kids wiki and look at seven random Garbage Pill Kids, and I guarantee you they'll be better for this movie, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Booze and Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Would have fit a, right in. A dr- and they all have descriptions, too, which are wonderful. A drunken and disheveled male character stumbling in the street with a booze bottle in his hand. <laughs> As fancily colored animals, most likely hallucinations created by his inebriation, look on. This is actually a great card. <laughs> you have to fucking put this in... You're going to put these in Google as I name them, because holy shit. Ugh. Booze and Bruce, because, like, I, I need you to commentate on these animals that he's hallucinating that are looking at him. I've got to pull up the shit, and my computer's being slow as fuck, That's so... It, it's worth it. Apparently, there are several editions of Booze and Bruce as well. But, but we're looking for OG Booze and Bruce. You see it? Uh. <laughs> There's a rabbit and an elephant. Wow. Yeah. Literally a pink elephant. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell me he would not have been a star character <laughs> in the Garbage Pill Kids. All right. Uh, what else we got? Uh, How about April Showers? Literally being struck by lightning. Awesome. All right, that's two. Uh, let's see, we got uh, Reese Pieces. It's a man made of puzzle pieces. Some of those pieces are missing. Uh, decapitated Heidi? It's not really a pun, but... It's Adam a- Bomb. Literally, Adam Bomb, a I know. nuke comes out of his head. Yeah, I know Adam Bomb because he's like the mascot. Yeah, Nukehead. Armpit Brit. <sighs> Literally a garbage pail kid in a bikini with noodles of hair growing out of her armpits. Toothy Ruthie. Baby with severely rotting teeth. Def Jeff. I know Jeff Jeff. He's the one who is uh, blowing his whole head up out of his ear with loud music. All of these would have been better. <laughs> but, you know, hey, they wanted to be kid-friendly, because that's what this movie is. Swell Mel. A cross-dresser. Virus Iris. Oak K. These are uh, being sawed apart and nails and screws put in him and a woodpecker pecking at his head. Unstitched Mitch, he just has his chest ripped open. <laughs> These are all great. 
dead Ted. He's, Rob a, he's, Slob. A, he's a zombie. These all of these would have been better. Holy shit, they did sixteen fucking series of these? They did sixteen series in seven years? I never knew anyone that had these, so. I actually had a, I had a few, I don't know, I don't even know if I still have them in my binders full of trading cards downstairs here, but I don't know. I definitely Leggy Peggy. That is obscene. Okay. I, okay, I can't. I, I'll be on this all day. <laughs> but just our our buddy Booze and Bruce would have spru- spruced this place up a bit. <laughs> Instead, they just get like not even like a combination of them that like fit well together. It's just oh. these are the tamest garbage pill kids we have. Yeah, they got fucking foul Phil, the little baby that has no distinguishing characteristics whatsoever. Mm. Got the one keys. It's just everyone is like, all right, this is the bodily function you have. Yeah. Um, so they all go to bed. The next day, Dodger peeks into Tangerine's apartment and pretends to be walking up to her stoop as she exits. She half apologizes for Juice, saying, you know how he can get sometimes. Yeah, you know how he tends to go a little psychopathic and torturous literally every time he so much as thinks about you. You know, you know how he is. Dodger says, forget about it. No! No, not at all. Tangerine, being the opportunistic whore that she is, asks if he wants to come along to the dance clubs to help her. He does a ridiculous, unnecessary move to get into her convertible, and he asks what they're going to do when they get there. Apparently, it takes her four or five hours to answer the question, because the next shot is at night while they're driving, and she is only then answering the question. Who looks at this and what's... Oh, great. Oh, yeah, yep, that works. Like, I've made some dumb edits in my day. I have. It happens. I'd notice this one. This is inexcusable. Yeah. Because he literally, what, what is the question he asks? Like, what are we going to, basically, what are we going to do when we get to the club? And then it's just, like, nine hours of silence. Which, by the way, it wouldn't be because there's no way it's that far away. No. She lives next door to the fucking antique shop, which we yeah. find out later. And then, and then after this, he ends up walking home. Or I'm sorry, the next next time they go to the club, he ends up walking home. So it's clearly not too far away. Um. So she explains what she does, and bear with me because even I don't fully understand it. My best guess is she has a duffel bag full of stolen high-end clothing from various department stores, and she's selling it to people in back alleys behind nightclubs to the highest bidder. And the only reason I say it's probably stolen is because she mentions her articles may or may not have tags still on them. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's how I got it. Yeah. Like, at first I was like, oh, she probably just designs this shit, but no, there's there's no way. Nope. She, oh. she's, too, she's too busy being a, a fucking bully girlfriend to do anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a full-time job being the fuck buddy of random 20-something criminal. Hmm. We then get 
seriously like three solid minutes of random teenage girls buying shit at this car. This is the kind of thing this movie just wastes gobs of time all throughout the runtime. So the douche trio drives up and Dodger hides while Juice takes all of Tangerine's money and drives off in her car with her. She actually grins when she sees that Dodger was hiding in the bag she brought her wares in. Again, this this is the movie trying to make her sympathetic for a split second. I mean, starting off by naming her Tangerine probably wasn't the best, uh, you know, way of doing that. But also Dodger. Well, yeah, the naming conventions in this fucking movie. I mean, none of these people have parents, so. No. You've got a Dodger, a Captain, a Juice, a Tangerine, a Blythe, and I don't remember what the random Shia LaBeouf-looking guy's name was. Uh... And then, of course, all the garbage pail kids. Speaking of which, we cut to them trying to find their missing friends in other garbage cans, and we then get this fucking scene. Oh, God. The kids start out their night on the town by stealing a Pepsi truck, and then proceed to drive over Juice's car, which flattens it as if Judge Doom's Acme steamroller just rolled over it. That is not how that works. There's also zero damage to the truck. Mm-hmm. We then get a scene of the kids sitting around a fire eating a bunch of junk food. And in the next scene, they're all back inside the shop with Dodger and one of the kids, Alligator, who is literally just an alligator, like an anthropomorphic alligator. Oh! <laughs> I get it. Because he plays basketball. And bites people's toes for some reason. I'm not here to kink shame. So this alligator thing says he has a hangover off of Pepsi? Question mark, question mark, question mark? If I was Pepsi, I'd sue. (laughs) They had to have signed off for this because they actually, Valerie says, we're the Pepsi generation. There's no way that that wasn't okayed by Pepsi. Mm. But Dodger asks them how they can help him, and they've sewn some clothes together for him. He puts them on, and they look like something that Michael Jackson would have worn if he had gotten so desperate that he needed to rob a Goodwill. He runs over to Tangerine's place, which, as we said earlier, is apparently next door to the fucking shop, and sees Juice inside yelling at her. I was gonna, I was gonna say less Michael Jackson, more like if Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was a wrestling stable. <laughs> I want to say I mentioned Sergeant Pepper somewhere later in my recap, but I can't remember. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, so Dodger runs over to the fire escape ladder to hide from him, and I have no idea how Juice doesn't see him unless he has zero peripheral vision. So Dodger runs inside without knocking and walks up to Tangerine, who's so blown away by how awesome this rock band custom character outfit looks that she almost orgasms on the spot. <laughs> She did. <laughs> like, granted, the contrast. Well, it's kind of non-existent, but like, the fact that this entire movie she is wearing the dumbest, ugliest shit. <laughs> yeah. So you can she looks just like go, the reject from the power core. 
Yeah, he's kind of, you can kind of just go, okay, she just has horrible taste. But I think the movie is actually trying to tell us that it's good. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the movie is telling us, oh, this is hot shit. I was going to say I was born in the wrong decade, but I was actually born in this decade, so actually. Yeah. I don't know, I just feel like I missed my coolness, like, my chance <laughs> to be, like, super cool. Like, around 1987, I would have been the coolest fucking guy. Unfortunately, I was three at the time. Well. <laughs> I was a cool three, but... <laughs> Still. Were, were you hip to be square? I, w I didn't get square-shaped until I was older. All right, so Tangerine then heel turns again and asks, or wants to know if he has more. She wants 12 more outfits by Friday night, and she very obviously sexually manipulates him into doing this. I do have to point out that, amazingly, when this was filmed, these two actors were only one year apart in age. Dodger was 15, and Tangerine was 16. I couldn't believe it either, because... Again, like we said earlier, puberty, whatever, they look at least at least five years apart. Not only that, but, like, one... Okay. Dodger clearly had not hit his growth spurt. No. And... I'm, tr I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Tangerine, at 16 is wearing not enough <laughs> in certain <laughs> scenes. She doesn't uh, this, wear a bra for the entire movie. This one in particular, where it's like... uncomfortable. <laughs> because, again, yeah, the movie's like, yeah, she's you know just going to be all hot and just lay around and... Is that underwear? Because <laughs> I, 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 I think I'm on a list now. Okay. Where were their parents? <laughs> that's that's a new trope I'm gonna have to make. Where are your parents? And actually, actually, I'm I'm, I'm on this IMDb page here because there's some there is uh, some uh, interesting factoids that you, you'll need to you'll need to hear. But uh, Mackenzie Aston auditioned and signed onto the movie without telling his father. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when he was informed and given the script by his son. Uh, John Aston, who was also an actor, thought the script was so poor he looked into getting Mackenzie out of the film. <laughs> See, he knew. <laughs> How does a 15-year-old just audition and sign on to a movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he already he was already acting by that point, right? He had had some roles before this. I guess. I guess they just thought that just goes through agenting, and he just like I don't know. The father just says fuck it. I guess. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, so this manipulative bitch tells him to get going and start making outfits, and she yells for him to watch out for Jews. He then runs back and says he's too happy to die. What? It's not how that works. No. So, I mean, if you're about to be hanged in the town square, as long as you're just full of happy thoughts, everything will be okay? Possibly. So Dodger, which in my notes for some reason says Dodgers, runs back into the store. 
The L.A. Dodgers run back into the store and wake up the kids, hmm. uh, and he tells them what he needs. They say they'll vote on it and have an answer by breakfast. We then get this fucking song. Okay, okay, okay. Before we get to that, they, they, they take something to a vote. I have to ask the same question I asked at Howard the Duck. What is the Garbage Pail Kids planet like? Is it full of just nothing but puns, but they wouldn't be puns in their own universe because they would only be puns because they are takes on Earth things? Yeah, I mean, it, on their planet, they would all be just normal. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so all Garbage Pail Kids are kids, right? They're all childlike? I mean, they would have to be. Okay, so do Garbage Pail Kids fuck? I'm just here to ask the questions. I'm, uh, how do you make more garbage pill kids? Does the, does the stork drop a new trash can off? Because I would be, I would feel much more comfortable with that answer. Just lie to me. I don't care. <laughs> they spawn from primordial ooze. Possibly. Okay. Cool. That works. I just All right. moving how on. Does, how does garbage pill kid society work? Do they have elections? <laughs> Booze and Bruce is the mayor. You know what? That would explain a lot. He's either a mayor or a down-on-his-luck detective. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Out of fucking nowhere, the Garbage Pail Kids start singing about making these clothes and helping or not helping people. During this song, which rivals my world for the worst song ever composed... The Garbage Pail Kids break into a sweatshop and steal sewing machines and shit. I I don't know why this was in here. There is no other musical number the rest of this movie. Like, why was this here? Okay, okay. A rare moment of optimism from from Damien. Oh, do tell. At least there weren't, like, a whole ensemble of songs. That is very true. At least there weren't more. You know, at least they kept it to this. I'll accept that. Dodger brings them breakfast, and Alligator says they're almost done. So they sewed 12 suits in, what, like four hours? Okay. Sure. And why is this their their skill? Why is sewing clothes their, like, their people's, like, profession? The textile industry is, is huge on uh, Garbage Pail Planet. I wonder if they worked for Christopher Walken in Batman Returns. I was going to say don't sully Batman Returns, but I remembered I like that more than most people do. Yeah, I could watch it. I, I enjoyed it. Again, just a visual splendor, that movie. <laughs> um, so Todger thanks them and goes upstairs to see Manzini, who tells him he's off to the music store because for some reason he thinks the answer to imprisoning the Garbage Pail Kids again is a musical one. I don't know why he thinks this, and it's never explained anyway, so who cares? 
Dodger goes back downstairs to see the kids fiddling with a TV, and he walks by a painting of what looks like Jim Gaffigan. It's extremely creepy. We then spend, like, two minutes watching Dodger try to see what the Garbage Pail Kids are doing instead of working on his outfits. It turns out all he came down there for was his jacket. And then he leaves, after which the kids decide to go see a movie. Natner pisses himself and laughs. This whole scene was completely pointless. That's like the ninth time he does that, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that that Like, that's his whole... That's his thing. That's all he does. Now, the funny thing is, when, like... Well, you're going to get to the part where they put on their awesome costumes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you fucking look at them, like, in their sunglasses and trench coats... They're all fucking indistinguishable from each other because it's all just one gaping mouth. <laughs> yeah. And, like, kind of watermelon-sized heads. Like, wasn't it like... Actually, I have it right here. The Garbage Pail Kid facial puppet heads, slash masks, required more detail work for facial animation prior to filming. The heads were not properly completed by the effects team because of financial reasons and the time factor related to filming. In spite of the unfinished heads, they made the film on schedule, expecting the puppet head anim- effects animation to improve during the film. Well, they just magically thought it would get better? I guess. Just wish it away. <laughs> Pray the suck away? Possibly. So we then get this fucking scene. The Garbage Pail Kids go out in trench coats and sunglasses at night to disguise themselves. So they can, so they can. (laughs) Make the worst goddamn movie in the world. They go to a movie theater that is showing Three Stooges shorts. so So apparently, I guess we've just jumped into the 1930s or 40s here. And apparently it's also Shemp era Three Stooges, which, eh. Yeah. They also yeah. just in general besmirch the Three Stooges here. I mean um, I mean I mean look. Three Stooges is like pizza. You're like bad Three Stooges you're still you can enjoy yourself. Yeah, I mean true. That's why I'm saying they're still besmirching the Three Stooges here. Yeah, it, yeah. And I do not appreciate that. Even if you're besmirching one Stooge, you're you you are an enemy of mine. <laughs> I will say. Like Larry comes to me, says somebody gave him some guff. I will return the guff. I'm the guff returner. This guy. <laughs> Fucking Stooges. The Stooges are great. Those are some gentlemen I would have loved to have met. Yes. A bunch of completely pointless slapstick shit happens. Wendy and Gator go to, and I quote from the sign, the toughest bar in the world. <sighs> They're not even trying. Allie goes inside while Wendy tries to fix their ATV, because I guess they have all-terrain vehicles somehow. Allie just bites the toes of some random biker and causes a massive bar brawl that is literally the exact same fight from Howard the Duck. Right down to them sliding Allie, who is the same height as Howard, across the bar through beer mugs. And none of the people there even bat an eye at a three-foot-tall anthropomorphic animal invading their bar. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hypothetical. And you cannot say just nuke the bar, because that's the that's the easy answer. Howard the Duck 
in a handicap match against all the garbage field kids. Bar fight. Who wins? Oh, Who wins? Howard. He has Howard. his quack, quack foo. Even, even against alligator. Hmm. With, with the toe biting. They are natural enemies, gators and ducks. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, the gator is, is the predator in that situation. Also, he could, he could, uh, web feet, big easy target. Yeah, that is true. Tail the tape, kids. We're gonna have to go to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you've swayed my vote. Yeah, I think it'd have to be the garbage pail kids then. Okay, okay, but without, well, without alligator, it's a, it's a fucking clean sweep for, for Howard, I think. Yeah. Unless, the only way they stand any chance is if, if Wendy farts on him for so long that he just succumbs to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kids, if you have, if you have a, uh, well, I mean, there's a wonderful debate in the, uh, the, the questions, uh, the emails, uh, this time. It's like two months old, but hey, we're gonna answer it. Uh, if you have an opinion to weigh in on the <laughs> Howard versus Alligator fight, <laughs> uh, please let us know. Things look dire for Allie, who has ten guys with switchblades in his throat, when suddenly Wendy drives the ATV through the window of the bar and starts fighting everyone in sight. He actually farts so hard that the bartender's mustache flies off. Then, for no apparent reason, the guy you get when you can't get Ellis from the original Die Hard stops the fight by yelling that Wendy has guts and then just buys around for the entire bar. What? Is that how that works? No. Hey, everybody, stop, stop. This guy's got guts. Beer for everybody. So one thing this bar is not tough on, carding. <laughs> Back at the theater, we get several more agonizing minutes of the anti-lip-sync squad annoying everyone in sight, including Greaser Greg pulling a knife on someone after he steals their hot dog sexually harassing a woman sitting next to him, and then slapping the baby garbage pail kid, Foul Phil, also Snotty Sally or whatever the fuck her name is, sneezes her garbage bag full of popcorn all over the audience, and in the very next shot, the bag has just been magically refilled and she sneezes all over them a second time. We then cut back to the other two who are now in a motorcycle cavalcade with all the bikers, and Alligator is shit-faced drunk. Who is this movie made for again? They bring them home, and Greaser arrives afterwards, but we see the evil trio are spying on the shop for some fucking reason, and they see him enter the shop. Hmm. Quick scene with Manzini and Alligator, which is then followed by another montage of the Garbage Pail Kids turning on the sewage line to blast juice while he's taking a shit and to flood the other two Courtney's hot tub with raw sewage. Sure. Manzini tries to figure out the musical key to get the Garbage Pail Kids back in the Garbage Pail, even though he has made them get back in there before just by walking downstairs. Like, why why do you need a magic spell to get these kids back in that fucking trash can? Because now they know power. (laughs) They have the power of strong. They have the power of a motorcycle gang backing them. Yeah. Downstairs, Dodgers talk Dodgers. Fucking Dodger's in my notes again. Dodger talks to the kids and says he's worried about what will happen to them. And they say that they need to find their friends, and Wendy says they're probably locked up. (sighs) Oh, God, we're at this part. She's... Oh, my fucking God. 
in the state home for the ugly. I will repeat that. The state home for the ugly. I have so many questions, but I'm not going to ask them right now. Okay, okay, okay. A state home for the ugly would have been, like, a real good concept to introduce, like, an hour ago. Is this government funded? Is this where our tax dollars are going? It apparently is legal because security guards just randomly go around and capture people. Who determines like, ugly? Right. That's my biggest question of all. Like, who who is the judge of this? Hmm. Like, I, I mean, the, the fucking two gray old dudes with the fucking net, they're not exactly goddamn Fabios. No. Like, I mean, that would be a more interesting movie. It's a bunch of fucking Tyler Breezes walking around with nets. Just, you're way too ugly, buddy. <laughs> fucking netting people. They're going around trying to capture Daniel Bryan. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Fandango in his sparkly pants. He's like, I'm just too beautiful. We need to... I, I'm a, Like, they wouldn't be the actual fashion police. They would just go around <laughs> fucking... Yep. Oh, that'd be such a better movie. So, Manzini walks downstairs, and just out of the blue, they decide to go searching for it. Okay, sure. The next day, Dodger and Manzini go out to find this place, and then we get this fucking scene. Some kids are playing hide-and-seek in a street, and for some reason, don't ask me why, the little girl counting to 100 is wearing an old grandma mask. I don't know why that's part of a hide-and-seek game, but sure. Out of nowhere, the aforementioned two old security guard guys drop a net over her as if they were Sylvester trying to capture Tweety Bird and prepare to fucking kidnap her. What the fuck? This probably pisses me off more than anything else in the movie. And in this universe, this has to happen a lot. You would think, although... Which means that these people have murdered children. Yeah, among God knows how many other people. Mm -hmm. But this girl's mask comes off and they apologize to this girl saying, No hard feelings? No! Fuck you! You were about to take this girl away, never to be seen again, because she had an ugly mask on, and you're like, Haha, oh, golly gee, our mistake. You're a pretty nine-year-old. We didn't mean it. Fuck this movie. So these two fucknuts walk over to their truck, which actually has a sign that says, State Home for the Ugly. Does that mean there's a federal home for the ugly as well? I would assume so. Like you, like you have to go to appeals and be like, "I am at least a seven, sir." And the guy's just like, "Eh, I wouldn't fuck you." Clack clank. Wait, so would there be a jury that has to be selected for this too? Oh God! 
and the jury has to judge if they're actually above a six. It has to be a really, really pretty shallow jury. Right. Just Baywatch models. Yeah. So, so these ugly old guys are exempt from the ugly farm, I, I guess. I don't know why they get to be the that's, judges. Who- that's bullshit, by the way, because I've, like, I've known people that have specifically, like, dated, like, traditionally ugly people. Because they just, they're into them and they find beauty in them. I know the movie is trying to make that very, like, simple point. It fails. <laughs> Manzini and Dodger stow away on their truck, which arrives at the ugly prison, which has a sign on it. So, ignoring the fact that this place could absolutely never exist in anything resembling the modern era, if it does exist, and it is so visibly, you know, present to passersby, why wouldn't it be in the phone book? Could they not have just looked it up in the yellow pages? So we cut back to Tangerine, who... Why do they have a giant net instead of just tasers? Right. Like, we're funding enough to have a barn prison and a supposedly lethal injection of some sort, but the only capture method they have is a giant fucking ape escape net. Okay. So we cut back to Tangerine, who walks by some children playing Eastern European basketball in the street. Mm. Dodger runs up and gets his outfits from the abominations and does another car slide, and they head off to hawk more of these clothes with, what else? Another montage. For the second time, someone actually buys the shirt off of Tangerine's back, literally. They go home, and Tangerine implies that she has big plans for the two of them and kisses his ear a couple times. Cut to her and Juice, who's counting all the money that they made, and he says, I hate abandoning my principles for money. What fucking principles? This is something that this douche castle says over and over in this movie. Principles this, principles that. All he does is commit felony after felony after felony and never once states why he does it. And I'm not saying at all that if he had a reason for it that I would excuse or even understand it. But for fuck's sake, tell me something about this asshole that clues me in as to why he does what he does. Monkey sword fight. I don't know. Something. The old monkey sword fight. Gets him every time. So Tangerine even asks him what principles, and he goes, not killing the little creep. (laughs) What the fuck could a 14-year-old have done to you that justifies murder? Did he steal all your garbage pail kids' trading cards and drop them in a puddle? So they drive off with Dodger giving a D-minus effort to avoid being seen by the juice crew and asks Tangerine if she's okay. The garbage pail kids then start pouring out of the shop to her horror. She insults them and Dodger says they made all the clothes, so she demands to see. Cut to the basement with another montage. She's taking this pretty well, all things considered. Fuck, so is Dodger. He never asks where these fuckers come from. (laughs) He's completely nonplussed at their existence. So, 
they go upstairs and she says Bundy's department store, which made me hope and wish that Al Bundy's shoe store was doing this, will give her her own fashion show. She says it'll be called Tangerine's Line, which Dodger isn't too keen with since he's been the one supplying her with all this shit. But she's a heel now again and manipulates him by saying, cross my heart and hope to die while touching her breast and then his nose. All right, so so far the action he knows he's going to get for sure is uh, some ear biting and some nose to boob action. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he's 15, so he doesn't know how it works. Yeah. Okay. And then Dodger just makes her promise not to tell anyone about them. Um, okay. Firstly, asshole McShithead and the crew already know where they are. Secondly, why does she plan to tell her abusive asshole boyfriend where they are anyway? They're her ticket out of town, you stupid dumbass whore. So she walks outside and puts sunglasses on at like 9 o'clock at night as if she's trying to be inconspicuous, despite the fact that she's wearing a spandex suit with street sign designs all over it. You're not blending in, lady. She kind of looks like somebody made a creator wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) And just gave it the most ridiculous outfit possible, like, you know, like something in, like, the high 300s where, like, you've already gotten past all the good outfits. You're just finding the most ridiculous shit possible. Yeah. You're like, fuck it, I've had this game for six months, I'm never going to play it again. (laughs) Sure, there's one with street signs in it, and there's a Goldberg tattoo, so here we go. (laughs) Yep, Goldberg, uh, tribal tattoo number 39. Hmm. Um... She walks about 15 yards to the rest of the crew, even though I'm pretty sure they just drove away right before this scene, but okay. So she goes over to Juice, takes a cigarette out of his mouth, and starts spit-swapping with him. She then gives a head bob as if to say they're in there, go get him, tiger. More on this later. I mean, I'm just more disgusted by the fact that, yeah. Yeah. Cigarette kisses are gross. Cut to the freaks all cheating at poker in their own disgusting ways. Nat Nerd, or whatever his name, starts pissing all over the floor. It's not running down his leg this time, though. It's a stream. Which means his dick has to be hanging out there, thankfully off-camera. They don't, they don't actually, Garfield kids actually don't have genitalia, they just have voids. <laughs> well, yeah, we gotta, we have to keep believing it's a stork dropping these things off. Look. I have trouble sleeping as is. <laughs> no, it's not actually a stork. It's a buzzard. There you go. So, Messy, Tessie, and Greaser burst out from inside a trunk where they were playing doctor, and apparently Greaser tried to molest her inside there. <laughs> Who the fuck was this movie made for again? Dodger runs downstairs, and the kids say they aren't doing shit for him until he finds their friends. Dodger says that he and Manzini found the state home for the ugly, but they were scoping it out because, in his words, it's a fortress. Fucking remember that. Uh The freaks agree to keep helping him, but Allie says if he wigs out on him, he will eat his toes. Okay. Quick scene of Dodger and Manzini walking straight up to the gates of the ugly home, and one of the guards threatening them with Rottweilers and telling them to get the fuck out. After this, we get, what else? Another goddamn montage, which leads to Tangerine taking the clothes from the kids and insulting Valerie. She continues being an utter contemptible bitch to the kids and walks away, telling Dodger that she will look so cool uh, tonight 
that she probably won't be able to resist him. Okay, okay. Look, when I was 15, I was quite lonely. But I would definitely be able to tell that this chick was leading me on and didn't mean a goddamn word she said. Mm-hmm. It is so over the top. Nobody, nobody would be this fucking gullible. So, the kids want to go to the fashion show, and they even had time to make clown disguises for themselves somehow. But Tangerine refuses and ends up locking them in the basement. She says she's going to be a star in sad Casio music plays, and the kids are depressed at not being able to go. Get more useless padding with Tangerine and Dodger arriving at the department store, the kids playing cards again, and Manzini still trying to figure out how to get the kids back in the garbage pail for some fucking reason. He figures something out, and then the juice crew knocks on the door. Manzini says they're closed, but then he, like a fucking idiot, opens the door, allowing allowing them to spray air in his face that knocks him out. They whistle at the door, and Greaser walks upstairs, and they put him in a sack, and Garbage Pail kidnap him. Back at the fashion show... We actually see limousines pulling up to a department store for a fashion show held by a 16-year-old that literally no one has ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Did a real showgirls vibe from this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Showgirls glitter. A little bit of... Like, nobody knows who this girl is. Who are all these people? And the scene is wholly pointless and only serves to further show how much of a bitch Tangerine is as she insults literally every one of her models. Dodger looks at her very concerned. Cut to the state home for the ugly, which has thunder and lightning all around it, despite this not happening at the fashion show just a few miles away. Juice Crew walks out with one of the guards who opens the latch on the gate for them. So this fortress as Dodger called it, is secured by one gate with a latch with no lock on it. Okay. Guard gives him bounty money for Greaser, and they head off to the fashion show. We actually get a look inside the state home for the ugly, and the first thing we see is a cage with an old man in it labeled too old. Okay, so this is a home for people deemed too old for society also? Thanks, Obama. Your death panels. I mean, it was a pre-existing condition, of course. God damn it. Okay. So, By the way, the two guards are like 60 and 70, respectively. At least! That one dude is at least 70. Yeah. Okay, so... We then see subsequent cages labeled Too Bald... For a guy that looks like Gandhi. Too weird for some guy in a tutu. Too fat for a guy in a Santa suit. And too skinny for a Blinken. Alright. I said, hey, Blinken. Hold the reins, man. Okay. Alright, alright, alright. Alright, Damien. Let's say, hypothetically, we were tasked with making a movie. Okay. And we decided to gather up every writer from every Highlander film after the first one. Oh, God. And pair them with the editor of Dragon Ball Evolution, (laughs) the casting director of Samurai Cop, the special effects coordinator of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the costume designer of The Crow Wicked Prayer, 
the producers of Silent Hill Revelation 3D, and then to really guarantee success, we hired Uwe Boll to be the director. And we told them to create a movie. Whatever they all regurgitated out of their collective brains would still make more sense than anything in this scene or this fucking movie as a whole. I'd want to see that, kind of. Kind of. Like, not with my eyes, but, like, I'd want somebody to watch it and then tell me about it. (laughs) I'm just... I'm at my wit's end with this fucking movie, and there's still, like, at least 20 minutes to go. They put all the plot in the last fucking 20 minutes. (laughs) And it's not even a plot. Even that 20 minutes isn't a plot. They put all the things happening in the last 20 minutes. Right. Because up to this point, this entire movie has been nothing but random montages and just bullshit happening. So all the garbage pill kids are put into the too gross cage, and then we also get to see too hairy, too pale, too silly, and too crippled. Wow. Fucking wow. The kids wonder where their friends are, and the guards standing nearby very heavily imply that they're going to be gone soon by being thrown into a trash compactor. What psychotic universe does this movie take place where people are just killed for looking different? I mean... I'm not opening that can of worms. Moving on. Manzini wakes up at the shop and sees the kids are missing. We cut to the fashion show where Dodger brings something to Tangerine. We then get this piece of acting. Juice Cruz shows up at her mirror, and Dodger looks down at Tangerine with the most over-exaggerated gasp face you can possibly imagine. I can't do this justice. You need to see a still shot of it. He says, you double-crossed them? To which Tangerine says, no, you did. I just gave Juice the key. Workshop time. Okay, so Tangerine's long-term goal is to become a fashion designer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume and she's trying to get out of whatever town Pennsylvania. To do this, she purposely manipulates a 14-year-old boy who has a massive crush on her and who is abused on a daily basis by her criminal scumbag boyfriend in order to make her these clothes she's going to be showing off. She then helps the abusive boyfriend by letting him know where the garbage pale kids are, ignoring the fact that he already knows where they are, despite the movie showing us that she more than likely is trying to get away from asshole McGee, They take the kids to the state home for the ugly, where they will have no hope of ever getting out. So she's destroying her supply chain and guaranteeing she will never get away from this criminal shitheel for literally no discernible reason. This is where I wish I could insert the clip of the Japanese game show host from UHF who yells at the contestant, You so stupid! Stupid! What possible reason would she have for doing this? She knows that she is going to grow up in the spirit city and just 
move from man to man, <laughs> marrying and divorcing them, and draining them of all their money. God. That's how she's going to get out of this podunk town. Well, she has as ridiculous a name as Sans Serif, so... Mm. So, Juice tells the other two goons to take him away, which they do in front of dozens of people. Nobody bats an eye. Juice then rips her necklace off and tells her that's for copping out to dodge her. Uh, okay. She stares blankly into the mirror and combs her hair. <laughs> Whose side is she on? She's not even on her own side. Uh, it's just layers and layers of shirts. She just takes one off. Nope, I'm actually on SmackDown. Nope, wait, nope. I'm with WCW. (laughs) No, I'm in in the LWO. Yeah. (laughs) So the goons toss Dodger into a dumpster with an FU slash attitude adjustment slash whatever John Cena calls it these days. They don't do anything to seal the dumpster other than letting the lids fall down. Yep, no way he's getting out of that, guys. He, of course, easily gets out and then runs to the state home. Mancini's already there getting tossed out by the old security idiots. They once again put the latch down on the gate to make sure no one can possibly break in. Dodger and Manzini meet up, and Manzini says it may be too late. Dodger says maybe, but we can still get the bad guys. Now go. <laughs> go go do what exactly? They, they didn't formulate go get a plan. <laughs> they didn't formulate any kind of plan here. Dodger just runs off somewhere, and Manzini just runs right back into the building. What the fuck? The fashion show begins with some woman saying that Tangerine is, and I quote, iconoclastic, rebellious, and original. Tangerine's clothes to wear when when one simply doesn't know what to wear to occasions where it doesn't really matter what one wears. That is the most overly elongated tagline ever. Tangerine comes out. Why why, why can't it just be Tangerine shit you throw on? Right. If it doesn't matter what you wear. So she comes out and says her clothes are a little flashy, a little trashy, but fun. Well, I mean, two of those adjectives are true. Dodger then runs into the bar from earlier and whistles to get everyone's attention to tell them the little guys are in trouble. So everyone drops what they were doing or drinking or snorting or absorbing rectally and runs off to go save the kids. Dodger wasn't in that scene earlier. How does he know where the, all those bikers came from? I mean, it's the toughest bar. Everyone knows by reputation. It is, yes, it is the toughest bar in the world. Go to the toughest bar in the world, or I'll eat your souls. So, man, I hate to be—I hate to be the second toughest bar in the world, but you're still super fucking tough. But no one respects you. Yeah, you still, I mean, you just still can't get the clout. Yeah. Manzini sneaks in again and finds the kid's cage. Just as an aside, I love how this entire building, which should be overflowing with quote-unquote ugly people, is just one room with like eight or nine cages in it. These guys are really shitty at their job. Yeah. Manzini is seen by a guard, but he does the equivalent of, like, a flashbang in the guy's face and steps on his foot and chops him in the back of the neck to knock him out. I, I meant to ask this earlier, but this guy is a magician. He, he like, caused a washing machine to start with magic. What? 
So how could he not conjure up something to get these kids out of there? Uh, it's a more honorable to face them in hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> Captain Mancini is actually going to be one of the guest Tekken characters. <laughs> no, Booze and Bruce needs to be. Booze and Bruce, unfortunately, is going to be like a Gone situation where he's going to be too too small to hit. <laughs> like Yoda and Soul Calibur 2. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do need a... Actually, yeah, I don't think uh, Tekken has, like, a drunken boxer, so... Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, outside, the motorcycle gang rips the window off with their bikes, allowing Dodger to go inside to meet up with Manzini and the rescued, again, quote-unquote, ugly people. He asks Manzini where their friends are, and he says the following line while slide whistle music plays in the background, mind you. Remember the garbage truck? He then does the hand clasping together slowly motion and says, we were too late. Just go make sure everyone else out is out safe. And Dodger just runs off. I don't believe I've ever seen a total shift from hell happening in and of itself as one single event. He tells this kid that all of the garbage pail kids' friends were chucked into a garbage truck and crushed to death while happy-go-lucky, like, Barney the Dinosaur music or some shit plays in the background, and this has no effect on the boy at all. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So they all get to the... the you know, they get all the living people out to freedom, which means, all told, they rescued, what, 14 people? So they hightail it to the fashion show. At the fashion show, they peek inside where Juice is very clearly giving instructions on a drug deal being trucked in from across the border. Uh, from where? Canada? I mean, it can't be Mexico because this takes place in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Greaser finds a rope uh, and swings on it to kick the one Juice goon through a door, which somehow causes a fire extinguisher or something to fall on Juice. They then storm the stage and start stripping the outfits off of the models in front of a horrified crowd. Everything just devolves into utter chaos, but for some reason the crowd stays in their seats. Like, one guy says those little guys sure were ugly. So, Wendy runs out on the stage and farts all over the entire audience. This finally causes them all to run away. Backstage... Look, sexual assault by... Gremlins, I'm fine with, but it is simply uncouth to pass gas in this room. Flatulence will not be tolerated. No. It's like there's like a, it's like the it's like the Wayne's World no stairway sign. It just says no farting. <laughs> so backstage, Courtney punches Valerie vomit in the stomach, so she pukes all over both him and Blythe. This is literally the only time that the character named Valerie Vomit pukes the entire movie. I mean, I'm not complaining because pee guy pees like 17 times. I know. I'm not, I'm not complaining either, but just for the sake of consistency. Look, they built up this big moment. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the entire movie has been building to, this vomit five-second moment. Yeah. You ever think about what we're doing with our lives where we actually have to say this? We're like, yeah, and then the big moment of the film happens, the... Uh, the ugly puppet vomits over everyone. 
what what have we done? Mr. Wilkins, is it true that you said on tape? Again, this is Ian Wilson uh, grilling you on the stand. Yeah. That Valerie vomit vomited all over everyone. Well, I mean, I mean, technically, that yeah, that's what happened. It's it's her name. I mean, it's in the name. Yeah. Comes from a long line of vomits. Long stream of vomits. <laughs> Dodger's extremely obvious stunt double then gives Juice a random spear, but he tosses him away only for him to give him another random spear. He also does, like, a fucking Rey Mysterio, like, <laughs> sit on your fucking chest as you fall down. Exactly. My next note is Wendy then boosts him up in the air where he flips and does a goddamn seated senton or some shit onto yeah. Juice. <laughs> He then proceeds to beat the ever-loving dog fuck out of this guy, despite him having to outweigh Dodger by at least 50 pounds. So Manzini yells for Dodger to stop, and at this point, Dodger is broken down to tears, and this somehow silences all the chaos to where everyone just shuts up and watches as he and Manzini walk away. You know what he, sh- you know what he should have said? He should have been like, no! And then Dodger should have gotten up and went, I'm a cop! And he walks away. <laughs> And then Juice has to commit some buku with fucking despite the your... fucking switchblade guys fucking <laughs> yeah. you know it'd be like the hand being like despite your delicacy and subtlety yeah then he goes to commit spooku yes so, so the camera cuts to Tangerine who looks forlorn not unlike Lola Burn in Wicked Prayer oh god. Dodger cries, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. No, no, that guy had it coming, and much worse than a few punches to the face, kid. Yeah. It was totally worth to it. Murder you. Later, Dodger walks to the door of the shop and is stopped by Tangerine, who fucking apologizes and says the fashion show was a big success. What? <laughs> okay. If that debacle was a success, then what, pray tell, would she consider a failure? I mean, I mean, it, it did have a lot. It had fashion, uh, drama, flatulence. romance, flatulence. Uh, those are the four food groups. Uh, uh, there was a uh, wrestling maneuvers. Yeah, there was Spear, wrestling spears moves. Spears and senton uh, bombs. And... There, there, were, there, were, there had to be some nudity. Um. So, yeah, it's, you know. It was a happening event. I mean, if somebody told me, look, Damien, you have to go to a fashion show, but uh, there's going to be a Hurricane Rana and some boobage. (laughs) Uh, I mean, all right, cool. But you don't know when the Hurricane Rana is going to happen. Yeah, you just got to sit there and wait for like three hours. (laughs) She actually gives him the maybe we can just be friends and do fun things together line. This girl is Bella Swan without the 100% success ratio. <laughs> That's what he should have been. Unless, unless, you, unless you think a hand job is a fun thing, lady, I have no time for you. <laughs> Dodger says, no thanks. I don't think you're pretty anymore. Ooh, sick burn. Get the net. <laughs> <laughs> so later. It's punishable by death in this, in this part of town. Yeah. 
Later, Manzini, Dodger, and the gang are sitting at his piano. Also, how the fuck is not every person in that biker gang dead? <laughs> you just go into that fucking place. You're all ugly as shit. You're all coming with me. <laughs> they just pull their switchblades and, like, fuck you. But, yeah. So they're all sitting at Manzini's piano later, and he explains that them going back into the pale is for their own good. They hate this prospect, naturally. Manzini says that once he plays their song backwards, they will be irresistibly drawn back into the pale. Um, is, is he trying to convince them? Because if so, he's kind of failing miserably. He starts playing, but the Garbage Pail Kids just kind of just sneak out the door and into the great unknown. Manzini... Did you say that they've gone beyond the pale? <laughs> hmm? Yes, Jim Gaffigan poster, or painting said it to them. That's not the only painting of note. Oh no, there's a uh, yeah, there's another one. Go ahead and <laughs> there's a portrait in the shop. <sighs> this is the Tyrese verse connection I was I was referring to earlier. That is from the movie Troll. <sighs> As in the prequel to Troll Two. Huh. Yeah. You didn't know about this. No, no. Yeah. This is news to me. Yeah. Are you talking about the one that looks like Michael Jackson? I I, I don't know which one it is. I just, it's in the trivia and I, and I know people have referenced it over and over. So, cause I, cause it's been forever since I saw the original troll. Wow. But, but yeah. All, all, all I remember from from Troll, the original Troll, is that the main characters' names are Harry Potter Jr. and Harry Potter Sr. All right, then. Yes. So Manzini gets pulled ass first into the garbage can, but Dodger helps him out. They walk outside, and all the kids are just driving off on their ATVs. Holy thanks, Zardoz, this is over. Final fucking thoughts. I'm going to just uh, read a few more of these trivia facts because I think they're pretty interesting. There is a uh, gentleman by the name of John Carl Beekler who is a, a well-known like horror effects guy. Um, he was actually the, the director of Troll 1. <laughs> Uh, he also directed, uh, Friday the 13th 7. I think he directed one of the, uh, one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. If not, he would, he was at least a, like, effects guy. Big, just practical effects makeup guy. Just really cool, like, horror effects and shit like that. And, he was originally approached to direct this film. And his version, like, cause he, you know, thinks in his head, uh, how the fuck do you do that movie? And he's like, the only way you can do it is to make it a horror film. Yeah. In which the garbage pill kids would have spawned from radioactive sludge that had found its way into a garbage can filled with broken dolls, turning them into serial killers. Sure. How much of a better fucking movie would that have been? <laughs> I'm going to throw the cliche at it couldn't possibly have been worse. 
But yeah, that would have been infinitely better. That would have been awesome. <sighs> also, this was uh, Anthony Newley's last film. Yeah. This was his Raw Julia moment. So, and I'm sorry, <laughs> can't really compare the two because Street Fighter is awesome. Street Fighter is great, but I'm just in terms of his final film being considered subpar. Yeah, yeah. At the end of what is a very stellar resume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Street Fighter, we have turned around on over the years. <laughs> We will cover it one day on a Blast from the Past episode. It's like one of the greatest Farvas ever. That might have to be a commentary. Because <laughs> I don't know if we can actually analyze that film anymore. It's just... I, I don't know. And to this day, I'm still so upset that our recording from C2E2 a few years ago, where all of us were just riffing on it, got lost. Apparently, we're just cursed to not ever do commentaries for anything. I guess. It's just It never works out. But, uh, yeah, my final thought is, like I said at the beginning, how you picked this over Mac and me. <laughs> Sucks for you, nerd. <sighs> my final thoughts, I, I hate this movie with the same passion that you hated Electra. That's pretty bad. I, I mean this. If it wasn't for two of the movies that shall not be named and all three of the Twilight films we've covered so far, that this would be in the top five worst we've ever covered. I would... Because those movies were offensive on a lot deeper levels than this, but this this movie was just front-to-back, utter, rancid ass. This this is definitely in the top ten. I wouldn't put it in the top five because Shred exists. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna, this is worse than Revenge of the Fallen. Fuck it. I would watch Revenge of the Fallen before I watch this again. Hmm. I don't know. Revenge of the Fallen's real fucking long. This feels as long as that one. Honestly. Like the old. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was, I was just saying, it's like, it's just like an hour and 20, I think. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, with credits, it's an hour 40, but. Yeah. Um, but, like, the only way this makes any sense at all is if it takes place in some fascist alternate reality where people determined to be less than attractive or just imprisoned randomly. Like, there is zero plot at all. And, honestly, as a matter of fact, there might be as close to as many unresolved subplots in this thing as The Room. Like, you go from a kid being assaulted to some aliens being released from a garbage can from outer space, to selling stolen clothes, to the aliens randomly being assholes to people, to a prison where ugly people are sent, to a fashion show, and then the movie just kind of ends after the fashion show turns into utter chaos. What, what, what was supposed to be accomplished in this script? <laughs> and then when it comes to the characters, you can't root for anyone because the main character is a gullible idiot. You don't like the physical abuse he takes, but the only time he stands up for himself, he cries and walks away after throwing a few punches. The main female character is just an opportunistic bitch who goes back and forth being semi-sympathetic to being a contemptible whore, and she never really redeems herself. 
the main villain gets punched in the face a few times, but even that feels hollow because he deserved a hell of a lot worse. And it isn't like he got any legal comeuppance. Hmm. There's something called comeuppance. <laughs> and then you have the Manzini character, who's pretty much the closest thing you get to a guy to root for, but he could have been eliminated from this movie and nothing would have changed. Speaking of which, the Garbage Pail Kids. Wholly inconsequential to the movie. Name me one thing they did in this movie that actually meant anything. They sewed some clothes. That that could have been done by anybody. Um, they left eventually. <laughs> Best thing that they did good. in the whole movie. Yeah, I was I was a fan of that. Just fuck this movie. I'm I'm done. I'm, <laughs> ugh, I am so angry with myself. <laughs> Uh, tune in next time for Mac and Me. <laughs> a fun, easy... <sighs> like, any t- like all the complaining I do <laughs> the next episode, I just want you to just go, and just, just every time, just go. Garbage pail kids. Garbage pail kids. <laughs> That's fine. Final word? Horror. It works on many levels. Yep. It's what this should have been. It's what it still is. <laughs> My final word is Zoidberg. Because literally everyone involved in making this movie is bad and should feel bad. Zoidberg. Brought us a lot of trouble, didn't I, Captain? Somehow we've got to keep these kids out of mischief until we can get them back into the garbage pail. But first of all, we've got to get you cleaned up. You could do with a buff. All right. Email time. And, of course, we're going to be reading the emails from the episode that never was. Um, mm-hmm. First, from Cole, who writes, Dear James and Damien, firstly, I would just like to say I'm really sorry for the length of my feedback for last episode. I knew going in that it was probably going to be long, but I didn't really expect it to be that long. And trust me, I'm not going to make it that long for this one. Quantum Balloon Land is, well, it, it's just stock footage of a parade with bad voiceover, really. is isn't really that remarkable. Then again, I wasn't really paying much attention to it, so there's that. But yeah, there's nothing here for me to look over, so I'm not going to do my thing for it. Now for a few questions for this episode. Firstly, if you were in a fight, would you use a knife or a bat? Your opponent is equal in size and shape to you and gets the opposite weapon. Secondly, will WrestleMania never or ever not suck? Thirdly, is this movie Zardoz? Till next time, Cole. Oh god, I forgot he asked the knife versus bat question. This is a giant bomb thing. Uh, where they asked the knife versus bat question. And uh, it sparked debate for, like, months. <laughs> that sounds like a giant bomb thing. Um, where do you stand on this on this uh, hard-hitting issue, knife versus bat? Uh, I would take the bat, personally. Okay. Uh, there's, there's less chance of self-inflicted injury. Okay. Here's how it breaks down. And I've handled a fucking baseball bat before. All right, yeah. It, okay, advantages for the bat. You got your range... All right. You get a good hard swing to a vital area. Uh, they're down. Uh, everyone knows bat, knows how to use a bat. I, I, you know, I know what I can do with a bat in my hand. Uh, now, the disadvantage. I can get hit with a bat and still come at a motherfucker. <sighs> you hit me in, a, in like a, I don't know, a, a thigh, an arm... I'm just going to get in there and keep stabbing. (laughs) 
The advantage to the knife. Stab, 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 stab. I'm in there. I close the gap. You can't do much with the bat. And there's now, also, the bat has, uh, also the weight and recoil problems too. Yeah. Now, 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 now the downside, a lot of people don't know how to use the knife. Maybe, maybe you just don't have it in you to stab another man. <laughs> But you're pretty sure you can hit a fucker with a bat. <laughs> that's, that's, see, that's the part where not a whole lot of people really, really consider here. Uh, now, now, if you have confidence of your ability to get in and murder a man, <laughs> you, you would go team knife. If you want to, want to play more of a distance game and, and you're really looking for more of just a debilitating hit, uh, then you'd go bat. Um, I was team bat for a while, and and, and I, I might still be. But here again, I get hit with a bat. I can still go in. You even even if you take one of my arms out with a bat, I can still go in with the knife on the other hand. Now the problem with the knife, of course, is 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 many accounts have been people have been stabbed and have continued fighting because of adrenaline, <laughs> and not even realize until later that they got stabbed. Sure. So unless you're getting a vi- so unless you're getting a vital area, fucking Jose Canseco could still just keep swinging away. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very it's very tough. Um, also, if you get hit in the head with the bat, you you're dead. Yeah, but uh, I mean, take that's, a shot to the that, temple. That's a hard hit. That's that's a hard that's a hard one to land. Because the head is the easiest part to move. You know, you can duck. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of I don't have a whole lot of confidence. A man's gonna hit me in the head with a with a bat, I don't. I don't have a whole lot of confidence. I could hit somebody in the head with a bat, even if you're trying to do an overhand uh, swing. Um, I, I think I'm going to be firmly team knife these days. Um, I used to be a big bat guy, uh, you know, and, and uh, but uh, I, I, I just in in my situation, if this is a kill or be killed, I, I'm going to need that knife because because once I'm in there, get the sleeper hold, stab, 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 done. Mm-hmm. So. Um, will WrestleMania ever not suck? Last one was fine. Um, wasn't great, but it certainly wasn't as bad as the fucking Roman Reigns Triple H one. Jesus Christ. Um, and is Fun and Balloon Land Zardoz? Um, it's a real bummer <laughs> that that episode didn't didn't happen. Um, I mean, I'm I'm assuming everyone knows because uh. I don't think there's anyone that listens to this that isn't on the Facebook group, but in case you did, in case you didn't know, reason this is so late is because, uh, well, there hasn't been an episode for two months. Uh, there was, and it just didn't record because my computer hates me. So we had recorded a commentary track. It was going to be a cool, fun surprise. We were going to do something different for once because Fun in Balloon Land is unrecapable. <laughs> Um, and it just did not work out. Um, at some point, probably maybe like a year from now or something, when we've completely forgotten all the jokes we said about it, we might revisit it and try again. But um, yeah. Or we could just we could just leave it as the lost episode. Yeah, or just leave it as like this thing where we just talk about like it was really really good, pretend it was the best episode we ever did. <laughs> just just it's this fucking urban legend. Yep. But um, every podcast needs a lost episode. <laughs> yeah, mine as well. So. I mean, we've almost had several, so. The Wicker Man was also, almost one, and, uh, it's, it's actually quite funny, because we probably never would have had the wiki if not that, for that episode, Aaron. Yeah. But, um. 
Yeah. All right. Next one from Grant writes, Moneybags here. Alas, I shall give up trying to take the retired belt per your wishes, but I'd like a permanent challenge against Cole if you ever decide to bring it back. <laughs> Regarding Balloon Land, what the fuck did I just watch? It's clear that the director did not believe in alternate takes. Also, you can tell that the word gay had a much different meaning back then. The narrator's voice, quote-unquote, was like nails on a chalkboard. You guys were absolutely correct that the Hardys would go to WWE, although after the match in Ring of Honor, they did the night before WrestleMania, they told the crowd, and my wife was there, that they were about ready to hang up their belts, so most likely a very short return. My question for the month is, what piece of media... Uh, do you find yourself having to defend the most? I love Howard the Duck, which, as you know, is considered one of the worst movies ever, yet it holds a dear place in my heart. Until next time, and cool teddy bear. Thank you, my thanks. Um, the Hardys thing, uh, there's, WWE's weird. In, like, even if somebody knows people are going to WWE, they have to pretend they're not. It, it's stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've got another probably year in them. Um, cause they, uh, right now they're in a fight with, uh, TNA to uh, get the rights to their their uh, broken gimmick. So, um, what piece of media do I ha- find myself having to defend the most? Um, nothing, because <laughs> uh, if you're having a conversation with somebody and defending a piece of media you enjoy, then you're having a conversation with somebody that is worth your time. Most <laughs> likely, <laughs> like I just, I, 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 that's honestly. Uh, the point, the time, the time and place for me to fucking sit here and, and try to justify what I like is like fuck off. <laughs> like who cares? You know, it's you're never you gonna know, convince them otherwise. Yeah, it's for, for like there's this belief. Like I don't need a justification for my interests, and, and that's I don't know why that makes me unique. Because really, like somebody, okay, say for example. Um, okay, okay, James is not as into the movie Fight Club as I am, alright? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, whatever. How does this affect my life or his in any way? It doesn't. I don't even think about that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Who cares? And, and like, like, I enjoy it? Cool. Guess what I can do? I can watch it! I can, I can, I, I can not watch it. Yeah, it, and that's like a, the mildest example possible because it's not like you fucking hate it. You're just like, I just don't get it. You know, it's, it's whatever. Um, it, it's the running joke with like the Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball thing, but even that, it's like, I don't actually give a shit if people, other people like, like it as well or, or think that my, my tastes are cool or right. Um, and especially in the position I'm in now where I write about games, like, People trust my opinion, <laughs> uh, even if they don't agree with it, because it's like, you understand where I'm coming from. And, and that's way more important to me, um, is just having some conviction about the things you like and being willing to uh, express why you like them and why they're important to you, more so than telling somebody else, this is why you need to respect or like this thing, because that never works. No one ever has their mind changed by that shit, so. Nope. And, 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 like, and, and again, I'm the guy who said, it's like, you know, I'm sure Rick and Morty is a fine show. Shut the fuck up about it. I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, the, the people getting me to watch it are going to make me not want to watch it. Like, if anything, you're just going to turn them off from that thing, so. The best response I can ever have to somebody going like, oh, the thing you like sucks is me going, cool. <laughs> 
yeah, it's just a waste of time, I think. So. Yeah. All right. Next one is from our good friend and fellow Overwatch player, Will Ackerman. Subject line is vodka is kind of a spirit. Salutations. I first saw the spirit on my birthday a few years back. It had been a rather horrid day with the bright side having been going to get comics mid-afternoon. I had stayed relatively unappraised of the movie I was going to watch, so when I saw it, my jaw was slack for a good quarter of it. It was a movie that I could recognize the stink of it, but I could also, but also the sheer what-the-fuck value of the entire enterprise. It also makes sense that I would finally listen to it on my birthday. A theory on all the random technology strewn about the place. The entire movie takes place in a universe where uh, Ultimisha from Final Fantasy VIII was able to compress time to one point. I'm sure if you go outside the city limits, you start running into laser-mounted Triceratops cowboys. Or Frank Miller is just a lazy writer who doesn't realize that combining a noir aesthetic with modern technology is drawing as fuck. Your call. As for the career of Frank Miller, he is also the person responsible for RoboCop 3, in which RoboCop fights robot ninjas, gains the ability to fly. It's as ridiculous as it sounds. Thankfully, Miller is at the point of no one letting him do movies anymore after The Spirit and that dreadful Sin City uh, sequel bombed. So, question of the month. If a Genji falls to the ground and no one's around, does he still call for healing? Until next time, Will. Thank you all. Um, the Spirit stuff's so weird now because it feels like we covered that a year ago. I know. Um, as for your Genji question, uh, he does not because I'm Winston and I killed him. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming he means if he's on your team... So in which case, yes, because it's going to be over the fucking like team uh, team audio feed. If there's a Genji on our team, it's a rando, because I'm the only person out of our group that would ever pick Genji. Yeah, I, I can't stand playing as Genji. So. Yeah, like, so, uh, and uh, if you're a fan of Genji, um, I actually have a project coming up that you guys might enjoy. But <laughs> I don't know when I'm actually going to get that finished. So. Uh, you eagerly await that one. Thank <clears throat> you, Will. Alright, thanks, Will. Uh, Cole sent one in for Garbage Pail Kids. Dear Duders, so this movie happened, and, well, fuck, I don't even know where to start with this thing, honestly. I feel bad for whoever's recapping it, because fucking hell. Not as bad as I feel! <laughs> this movie was rough. I'm not gonna claim it was the worst movie I've ever seen for this show. After all, I've seen The Spirit, Shred, and at least one Transformers movie and two Twilight films, but it's still down there in the pits with the worst of the worst. That I agree with. This movie deserves all the kicking you guys give it and then some. Now, I actually have a bit of a history with this movie. I first heard about it when the Nostalgia Critic reviewed it, and, well, the less said about that fucker, the better, but I was a bit surprised when it was announced that you guys were doing this movie. Really. I mean, not too surprised, of course. I know the format well enough by this point, but still, I was a bit taken aback. Although, more often than not, in the early days of the tirades, I tended to recognize some of the choices in films from the Channel Awesome stuff. Thankfully, I've moved on from that site, though. But yeah, unlike with The Spirit, I don't really have that much to say about this movie. It's just a really shit film that deserves a lot of the slagging thrown at it. Plus, I had a really long day at work, so my mental state right now is on a negative seven. Till next time, Cole. P.S. Few questions. Firstly, is pizza an open-faced sandwich? Secondly, should I watch Inland Empire? Thirdly, who is going to fuck up at this year's E3? PPS, on a more serious note, Dubs, have you watched the new Twin Peaks yet, and what are your thoughts if so? Um, you want to tackle the pizza one? Because I, I keep feeling like I'm answering all these questions and not giving you a chance. So. I, if I had deep thoughts, I would, I would interject them. Okay, I'd, fair enough. I don't, <laughs> pizza and open face sandwich. I don't think it is, but okay. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've never seen Inland Empire, so. 
There, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, debates about sandwich. What, what is a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Is a taco a sandwich? Is a hamburger sandwich? And I'm here to tell you, no. Um, yeah, of course you should watch Inland Empire. It's a David Lynch movie. Um, Inland Empire is. I want to say a good middle ground because it's not like Mulholland Drive where it's just completely fucking incomprehensible. <laughs> um, or some would say Racerhead. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mulholland Drive is a completely different fucking level. Um, really? That's saying yeah. something. Like, Eraserhead is not even like... Uh, Eraserhead is more in, like, the middle spectrum of David Lynch. Um, huh. Mulholland Drive is its own fucking, like, it's... <laughs> it is David Lynch's weirdest movie. Um, not, maybe not as, like, visually. Like, like, Eraserhead is a lot about just, like, imagery. Um, and, and that's, and that's, and that's part of why I enjoy David Lynch so much is because every movie has a different way. Um, of of being itself. Uh, Inland Empire. You the first time you're watching, you're gonna be like that. That movie had no plot. <laughs> um, and it's it's very much a movie about structure and and how it works and the way it's kind of weaves itself. And I don't want to ruin too much of it, but I, I think it's definitely something worth um watching. Um, because I'm I'm somebody who likes to like study that kind of shit. Um, I don't have as much time nowadays for watching movies anymore. Um, just cause I, I, I have this anxiety that I need to be working 24 seven. Um, but back in, back in my day, it was always like, Oh, this is impenetrable and all that. Like, no, it's, it's not, I, you can, you can figure th- some things out. So a lot of rabbit holes in those kind of movies, which I enjoy. Um, who's going to fuck it up at this year's E3? The guy who bought back fucking Bubsy. <laughs> Uh, like in terms of like big publishers or whatever, uh, E3 is weird because um, you know Microsoft is going to do their big Scorpio thing because uh, they do have a, a new version of the Xbox One coming out at the end of the year, um, and they pretty much have to hit a home run because um, if not, they're fucked. Sony can kind of keep drifting by, going, "Hey, we're Sony." Sucker balls. You already have a PlayStation. Kingdom Hearts um, will come out at some point, maybe. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII remake, whatever. You'll buy it whenever it comes out. Um, and, and there's still tons of stuff from last year they haven't shown off. So, uh, and Nintendo, Nintendo has always kind of been a hands off, and they have no games anyway. So who, who cares? Um, <laughs> I, I have not watched the new Twin Peaks yet. And this is how I'm actually a bad David Lynch fan. Uh, I have not. Rewatched the old Twin Peaks in a very long time, and I don't remember all of it. Uh, I actually have the full series box set that I've never watched. Um, I, I, I did uh, kind of binge watch the whole series back in the day a long time ago, but um, yeah. So I have not because I feel like I have a lot of like catching up to do. And uh, again, like TV shows, I, I have no time in my life for a TV show. <laughs> it's just such a fucking time commitment now. So. Um, I'm sure at some point when I, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I can afford to relax, if that makes sense. I'll probably get around to watching it, but yeah. 
People seem to like it. And lastly, Will sent us one for this episode. Hello, gents. With the previous episode having been lost, I figured I would send another bit of feedback in case the original had also been lost. Why Why didn't I just ask about this during a game of Overwatch? I blame <laughs> trying to juggle crossfading with booping people into the pit. The pit! The pit! Sacrifices will be offered. Yes. As of the time of writing this email, I've been to the theater three times in the past month, and every time I've seen a trailer for the new Transformers movie. I can already see all the ways that this one will suck. I mean, it's almost like they've given up on pretending that Optimus is a good guy. And then the reminder that Anthony Hopkins is getting a Ben Kingsley paycheck. This is also Michael Bay's second Transformers since the first time he said he was leaving the series. Sadly, he will probably never leave them. Now he's teamed up with Akiva Goldsman. There's no way this one will be the good one. So... Since it's almost a given that 2018 we'll see another one with you guys covering a new piece of shit, I would like to recommend a palate cleanser, that being 1989's Robot Jocks. It's a film about how in the future, instead of having wars, governments settle disputes with giant robot fights. Is it silly? It's as silly as it sounds, and I think it would be a great Farva. Then again, given my track record with recommending Farvas, maybe not. No question of the month uh, this time, in case you still have my last one. Instead, I leave you with a haiku. Anthony Hopkins... Great thespian and nice guy. Hope they paid you well. <laughs> Thank you, Will. Thanks, Will. Um, Robot Jocks looks like if Asylum was making movies in the 80s. Oh, dear. Yeah. It has potential. We'll see. All right. We will, uh, we will definitely see. Yeah. But um, uh, we need to make a Tyreed's, verse, uh, Tyreed's wiki page for the pit. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> I just want to I just want to tell you that before I forget. Okay, yeah, um, I'll, I'll get on that. If you'd like to, yes. yeah, if you'd like to send us uh, feedback, <laughs> it is tranquiltirades at earth dot net. Tranquiltirades at earth dash the number two dot net. Uh, there's Facebook, Twitter at tranquiltirades, uh, at James Doe IV at Damian Wilkins. Yeah, um, I'm my 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 current Twitter name is Bubsy Hunter XX, so that's how you know it's me. <laughs> I change it probably every couple weeks. So, yeah, as we stated earlier, next month uh, we're gonna tackle the ET ripoff Mac and Me, and I don't like ET, so I'm yeah, sure I'm not gonna like this. I. One. But I, I think also Mac and Me has a lot of like uh, advertising in it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely a product placement movie. So. uh that's hey, those are fun. I mean, Wayne's World's a product placement movie. Surely this one will be good, right? Right. And that's the first and only time we'll ever compare those two movies, <laughs> folks. It's been fun. Well, maybe for one of us. <laughs> I'll get my comeuppance next month. Don't you worry. And then we have a whole wonderful. Offering of other films. Um, schedule going forward is pretty much what I've wanted the show to be. When it gets done. <laughs> uh, we can't commit to monthly. I just, I can't. Um, we're two very busy adults with many important things to do. Um, and I, like, we, we miss the mark every time. <laughs> so it's, it, it's gonna probably even out the same anyway, cause I, in two weeks, we're going to say to each other, hey, we should watch the movie. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, it'll probably be like, oh, instead of every four-week schedule, we're moving to every five weeks or something. Like, just, but, um, 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, our, our our schedule is kind of tenuous this year anyway. We don't really know what we're going to do with um. <laughs> so it's uh, we're just winging it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna I'm very seriously considering tackling a a personal project. Um. I'm seriously considering doing a transcript of The Room done all in Shakespearean based on a thread that Michael David Sims started on Facebook that mm-hmm. turned into seriously one of the funniest threads I've ever seen on Facebook. So I'm actually very seriously considering doing that as an entire thing. Um, yeah. I mean, other people have done very similar things with other other media, so why not? So he, so that's going to take up a lot of his time. I'm, I still have a website. I do write for it. Um, not as frequently as I did, but I do. Uh, and, uh, I, I do very long edit intensive YouTube videos now. Uh, if you, if you're a wrestling fan at all, it's worth checking out. Um, and Twittering way more than I should, but I have a very mind numbing job. So <laughs> tell we both. But, um, yeah, uh, whatiplayed.com, uh, youtube.com slash dubs is a cool dude. I'm sorry, I can't change it. <laughs> That's what it is now. Tranquiltirades.wikia.com uh, for yes. all your good random page fun. Yeah, so, uh, don't worry. You can definitely find us on the internet and stalk us. <laughs> um, no dick pics though, please. No, please. Um, no. but yeah, uh, next month, Mac and me, I will try to think of a, uh, good ending song for this. You got the suggestion I sent you earlier, right? I did get that. There, there are some other ones I have in mind as well. I'll, I'll, uh, it, it's going to be one of those in the moment I pick one thing. So oh, okay. <laughs> probably whatever is the easiest for me to find and edit. <laughs> but uh, we will get this to you before the end of June, if nothing else. Uh, so that's all I have for, for you, kids. Dude, I was done an hour ago. <laughs> Fuck this movie. <laughs> and on that note, we bid you adieu. Laters.
us rules when we're apart. Watch my temper, I go mental. I'll try to be gentle when I grow up.